Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. We dream the same dream. We want the same thing, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first episode of On the Continent, a new European football podcast brought to you by the Football Ramble. Each week, we'll be taking an in-depth look at European football's biggest stories. My name's Marcus Speller. Some of you may know me. And my old mate Luke Moore's with me. Yeah, all right, Marcus. I was thinking to myself, what one thing do I need more of in my life? And I thought, talking football with you twice a week just isn't enough for me. No. So let's go for the hat trick. Yeah, that's right. But we need uh, some pundit heavyweights with us. We do. To validate we do. What, what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, and they, of course, come in the form of television's Andy Brassel and television's James Horncastle. Say like G'day. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't validate what you're doing. I think I might have to leave now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you've already signed the contract, Andy. Yeah. So uh, get your lawyers in on, on that one. But yeah, it's, uh, football has been happening in Europe. It's been, uh, it's been quite an eventful time on and off the pitch. I think we can agree, gentlemen. And we're going to go through uh, the, the big stories, of course, uh, right now, as we're going to do every Wednesday. Uh, it's such an obvious place to start. So we've got to do it, Luke. Neymar. Yeah, we should start with Neymar and the, uh, the, the exploding... Uh, bomb that is Barcelona. I, re- I read today that um, a couple of newspapers reported today, and these are the quotes they use: that the Barcelona dressing room is uh, entering into a cold war with the boardroom, <laughs> which, which cannot cannot be a good thing. And um, I think that stems from um, Messi being photographed with Neymar on the same day. They announced that the club are suing Neymar over a over a loyalty bonus um, for seven point eight million pound. I think. And do we think that? Uh Messi or Messi's people maybe put this brief out that Manchester City would be willing to pay a buyout clause in that contract. Just to 
ratchet up the kind of pressure, pressure. on uh, on on that board. So I am, I, am I right in saying that um, that Messi still has a contract there for him unsigned, and and he and Bartomeu has at one point I think started to intimate that he'd actually signed it when he hadn't, and that Messi will be free to move on in, to to choose another club from January. Is that correct? Well, they've just made a complete mess of it. I have to say. It's difficult to narrow it down because Barcelona's board have made a mess of a lot of things in recent years. Mm, good name, no, good that Neymar pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, so, like uh, signing is, him, which yeah. led that president to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it is significant that Neymar said that because he's the most high-profile figure to have said that out loud. Everyone knows it, of course. But for someone like that to say it, and yes, you can say he's covering himself because he doesn't want to be accused of being greedy. But I think if we go backwards to the very start of the the, the Neymar transfer, people always said it's because he wanted to be out on his own and win the Ballon d'Or, and uh, it's about the money. It's about those things, sure. But I think it's also about leaving a... A sinking ship, and I, I don't think anyone really took a nod to that in the in, in the first you place. You go that far to say Barcelona yeah. sinking ship? Well, I th- they're they're a mess. I mean, you know, you can't write anything or say anything about Barcelona on Twitter without loads of Barcelona fans hitting you saying oh, this has been the same for months and months. Wait and till months. this podcast drops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> saying saying that you know the, the the board's a mess, and you know we we don't trust them to get anything right in terms of signings. The and, thing is, but but Messi Messi not getting getting into the last year of his deal is. Definitely the worst of all of them. The thing is, the MSN, by putting that incredible, unprecedented strike force together, they kind of created a monster at Barcelona because what happened when Xavi declined and went to play in Qatar, Iniesta, still a great player, but in the twilight of his career, they now just bypass the midfield and play to those three guys. Mm. Uh, and those three guys are more often than not enough on their own to win games for them. Um, but they don't have the same control that they've had in previous years. It's not just control on the pitch, though. It's control off the pitch. It's like if you go back to the first Florentino Perez um, era at Real Madrid, the first Galactico era, that idea of Zidane y Pavonis. Mm. Like to, to have Zidane, to be able to afford Zidane and Figo mm. and Beckham, you've got to have Paco Pavon in the team as well. Yeah. So but what I'm you know, is, it, it, is... It, makes, it makes a difference, doesn't it? They've not been able to strengthen in the ways that they've wanted to certainly in terms of depth if you look at the depth of them next to Real Madrid so this day has been coming for a, a long time and this decline of the team is something they've brought about as but, you say or but, as I think you're saying by creating that front three because it's unsustainable this, to have the strength let's talk about Barcelona though you're saying a, a sinking ship surely if they sink a little bit they're still way above most other people mm. and look you know do, do you think PSG you look at PSG do you think yeah they're the club to be at because they still play in, in a in a Slightly poorer league than the league. Well, I differ. I, I differ slightly from what a lot of people have said about Neymar moving to PSG. And some people have said, you know, it's a shame he's going to be going away and playing against teams in league and that aren't that good. But from from Neymar's point of view, I mean, the money thing that Andy's mentioned, I agree with him, and you can take that as red, really, because all players are paid paid very, very well anyway. Um, but he. He has a chance there to deliver a Champions League to a new a new club in terms of the size they are now. I mean, Andy, you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm fairly sure PSG historically aren't a big club in, in France. No, they're in their 40s. Mm. Yeah, quite. So so the idea of Neymar delivering the first Champions League to PSG, to Paris and all the rest of it, I think is, is a quite a seductive idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to go back to what, what you guys were saying about Barcelona on the pitch, off the pitch, in the, with the news that this, this, um, this loyalty bonus is now being sued for... Are we right to interpret that as this is Barcelona being essentially quite petty and trying to get whatever they can to save face in the public eye out of this deal because they're so put out by the fact that Neymar's 
basically sold them up the river and gone where, where they never thought he would go. I think there's definitely an element of truth to that. I find the idea that you pay a loyalty bonus to a player's father, agent, whoever it may be, for basically respecting one year of a new contract <laughs> to be something that is kind of wrong with the game. I'm glad it's... you mentioned Neymar's old man, because <laughs> we've taken a little bit of time to get there, but he does need a mention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, uh, he's made a lot of money out of his son, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite remarkable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Barca at the moment, as we've said, don't seem to have any kind of contingency planning whatsoever. Um, I think uh, Gabriele Marcotti pointed this out um, in his column this week, that if you look at, for example, the um, buyout clauses put in place by Real Madrid in their players, they are exorbitant. You know, they are uh, yeah, 600 to 800 million euros, you know, completely. It's not achievable. Not achievable even for a, for a state uh, like Qatar. Mm. Um, whereas Barca, everything there is is now seems to be, yeah, I can have a go. Doable, at that. doable, oh, yeah, doable. Yeah. Mm. Like, it, like they've been left behind by yeah. by, the, by the, the modern economics of, of teams like that, but, backed by by big uh, wealthy players. But I think generally, Barca, and this goes back to the time that Pep was at the club. Um, their recruitment has Suarez and Neymar aside been generally very poor. Um, and I think you could even say this about Man City since Chiki Bukristan and um, went there as well. Their big money signings, on the whole, have not paid off. Um, and uh, you, you look beyond, uh, and, and given that La Masia is not uh, producing, um, or they're not putting the same trust in it that they did, um, yeah, there there is not a great deal amount there. And also, I think we should we should also point out that one of the biggest losses at Barca, um, who also had a pop at the the own, the, the the president and, and the board uh, before Neymar this is a year ago, is, is Danny Alves. Mm. Alves, again, showed in the Champions League last year that he is not only one of the best right-backs in the world, but one of the best players, full stop. Um, nobody can do what he can do. Um, and so I think, yeah, they've lost two signature pieces of, 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 their, of their whole edifice, if you like. Well, the Danny Alves point, I think, is a good one because they went through all of last season not replacing him. Mm. So if you're a Barcelona fan, and we talked about it before, why would you have faith in them correctly replacing Neymar? What do you think about the the, the comments from uh, Laporta, the ex-president, who, who, I mean, it might I read it as him being quite mischievous, where he was saying, if Bartomeu stays, he thinks Messi might leave. Well, you can't rule it out because of everything that's happened in between. I, I still expect Messi to stay. I think the bigger concern at this point, and I know the concern of a lot of Barcelona fans, is that... Look at Messi's age now. Mm. You know, don't you get that feeling of a clock ticking? Don't mm. you get that feeling of them wasting <laughs> well, well, of, of them wasting his last good years? Like, like re- realistically, how many level, how many years of actual prime Messi have we got left? Three, mm. four, and can you see Barcelona really getting it together and you know becoming the best club team in the world again in that time? Well, not under this leadership. That's clear. And you also would maybe struggle to see Messi perhaps uh, reinvented himself as, say, like a number nine, like Cristiano Ronaldo. I was going to say that, yeah. Well, can, can he adjust his game? You know, like you know what? Has. Neymar and... People talk about the evolution of Cristiano Ronaldo's game, and it's a really obvious one. Mm-hmm. But there's been an evolution in 
James Messi's, Milner. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. There's been an evolution in, in Messi's game, hasn't there? Since, yeah, there, since, there has. Since Suarez and, and, and Neymar arrived. But, but people talk about you know Barcelona being able to be a bit more direct, but also they, they, do, they did, I should say, a lot of the running for Messi. Now, Suarez is still there, but you can't just stick in Gerard Delphoe. I mean, obviously, they're, they're making moves. Very incompetent would, yeah. making moves but to replace Neymar, it's, but it's, it's clear that there needs to be. They're trying to replace Neymar. Someone. The way that the way um, they're trying to replace Neymar is like a really bad cat burglar marauding his way through a house, <laughs> knocking like pans over, yeah. scaring the dog. It's like being really obvious with everything they do. And before you know it, you wake up in the morning and you've got Paulinho for forty million pounds. He's yeah. not earned that title, cat. He's no, just a no, burglar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I wanted to um, just to bring it back to Neymar, James. I wanted to, to chuck something your way about this. Um, the, the ramifications, what we think the knock-on effect around European football is going to be from the fact that Neymar has moved to um, to, to PSG, and there's talk now that, that Mbappe may may in fact follow him as well. Um, what do you think the knock-on effect around European football is going to be in the last couple of weeks of the transfer window? I think it's inflationary, particularly for Barcelona, because everybody knows that they've got all this money burning a hole in their pockets. Um, I think also it's really interesting to to see what uh, Barcelona are doing because um, there isn't a player like Neymar out there on the market. He's a unique talent. He was the youngest member of the MSN, the one that they could point to the, the player with the biggest future towards. If anything, they were probably maybe looking to, to about how they might replace Suarez before they were going to think about what, what has obviously transpired with, with, um, with Neymar. Uh, I think it might also change people's approach to these buyout clauses as well because... Um, Juventus, for example, uh, after the Neymar transfer, there was a lot of talk about Paulo Dybala uh, being on um, Barcelona's wish list to replace him. Um, but Juventus just don't believe in buyout clauses. Um, they think, why would you set a limit on on someone's value? And I think that's a really fair fair point. But, but we have to say it's, it's legal in Spain, Spain Portugal. You, 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 you legally have to have it. Well, but I, th- I think the, the Portuguese kind of led the way in that sense, didn't they? I mean, you, you saw see a lot of things in the papers, like for the, for the last five or six years, I guess, since Premier League clubs have regularly bought from Portugal, saying 100 million rated Hulk. Yeah. And it, it was never that. It's just his buyout clause is that. And the buyout clause is saying, go away, we don't want to sell to you. And that's what it should do. And as, as you say, James, that's what Barcelona have failed to do, failed to put them at the appropriate yeah, level. But it's not, it's not an offer of a deterrent anymore, unless you do no. what Real Madrid have done. I mean, for example, you look at some of the biggest clubs around Europe, outside of Spain, they are just exploiting the fact that some clubs put in buyout clauses. And to, to an extent, they're pressured to do so by the players and their entourages. Mm. But you see Juventus get Higuain. Pjanic, yeah, again, players who, who, when they put those buyout clauses in place, they thought, ah, no one's gonna, no one's gonna exercise those buyout clauses, and instead, you know, you sell Paul Pogba for a world record transfer fee, and all of a sudden, those buyout clauses look cheap. Absolutely right, Andy. The big, the, also with Barcelona, a huge kick in the teeth for them at the moment is the fact that Real Madrid look unbeatable. They look absolutely magnificent, and uh, one again on the on the weekend, scoring a goal with a forty four pass move, finished off by Casemiro, <laughs> which which isn't too bad. It's only against Deportivo Alcarina, steady. <laughs> a win's a win's a win. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, well, let's not forget the two uh, Champions League trophies back to back either. But do do you think this is maybe going to sound slightly ridiculous? Do you think that they're sort of they are even just slightly underrated for what they are, Real Madrid, in terms of when Pep Guardiola's Barcelona were playing tiki-taka and all the rest of it, people talked about them as one of the best sides ever. Mm. With this Real Madrid side, people are saying, oh yeah, they're absolutely brilliant. Do you think that they've 
earned the right to be talked about in, in those kind of terms? I'm, I'm not convinced that's the case just yet, but we've got to start thinking about them in that direction because, as you say, they've done what no other team has done in the Champions League era and retained the, the title. And I think you have to look at the future of the team as well and what Zidane's done in terms of creating a, a genuine meritocracy there which I think no one ever imagined would happen at, yeah. at Real Madrid. That, that's the incredible thing. Mm. As you say, Marcus, people are having to readjust their view of Real Madrid because no one thought Zidane was going to be a good coach. No mm. one thought he was going to last. Mm-hmm. He wasn't their first choice. No one thought he would be able to pick the players he wanted, which no previous Real Madrid coach under Florentino Perez has been able to do. And so to create that meritocracy, to make them younger, to be able to see that depth and you know look at players like Asensio, like, say, Marcos Llorente, if he stays, he, he may not. He may go out on loan. Yeah, they may sell him with a, a, a buyback. For, for, for example, exa- exactly. You can see future generation building there. And, you know, that's what makes it it's so interesting where they're, where they're going to go next. And they're breaking records, Luke. I mean, Sergio Ramos picked up his 18th sending off <laughs> yeah. in his La Liga career, equaled the record, and he will break that record. I, I was watching that game thinking, what's this game missing? Yeah. What's it missing? <laughs> the Real Madrid are 3-0 up. It's in the dying minutes. Final minute, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 we, we, we watched Real Madrid last season um, in the Bernabeu. It looks like, someone made the comment, I forget who it was, but it looks like it's highly choreographed, like art, like theatre. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows the play. Zidane, I, I, I don't know if this is a particularly... You know, worthy sort of uh, comparison, but in terms of demeanour, and as far as I know about terms, in terms of sort of how he manages his, his team, he sort of reminds me a bit of Ancelotti, sort of a, a quiet man, sort of quiet leader. He doesn't, he's not really bombastic like a Conte in, in press conferences and stuff like that. He just seems, <laughs> he just seems to, tr- he just seems to trust his players. And, I, and to pick up on what you said, Andy, about. Um, about him not perhaps getting as much interference from from the chairman or the president as mm. other managers will, will get. That's because he's a Dan, though, right? I mean, that's what you get with the package. I mean, he's such a legend there. That's almost like an insulation, like a force field around him, which is really important to Real Madrid, isn't it? But it's, it's like any other football coach's job. It's about fate and it's about timing as well. And that, that's something that we don't often want to put in, in, in the story, is it? I think you look at, Go back to the the, the quarterfinals in uh, 2016, and if they'd have lost to Wolfsburg, and you know they lost the first leg two 0 I mean he was gone, right? <laughs> you know there's 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 mm. no doubt. Fine about margins, it. So, yeah. So yeah. The, the cards have fallen for him, but he's always been aware of that. You mm. know when when they lost their first um, home league game uh, under him at the Bernabeu against um, Atletico Madrid, and he said, well, you know a lot of the players might not be in next season. I might not be in next season. He's totally aware that he could finish at any moment. He's totally aware that if they'd have lost the final in Cardiff, mm. well, they, they might have got rid of him then. You, Isn't that the story of any know. manager at the top level, though? I mean, the margins but are I particularly fine, aren't they? That, that they are, but more so, more so at Real Madrid. And I think the fact that he has a complete awareness of what the club's about and how incredibly cutthroat it is, I think enables him to, to operate better and to have a clearer head as well it's an amazing story because i mean he was seen to be put in place as a yes man a patsy Mm. for the president Mm. and was kind of emblematic of this culture that um big names and galacticos um are what florentino perez is all about and he finally wanted a kind of galactico on the bench um and um yeah whether he merited it or not it didn't yeah people had i think reasonable doubts about that because yeah 10 years ago he kind of came out and said he didn't really know what he wanted to be. He didn't want to be a coach. And it's something that generally kind of evolved within him. He served a long kind of apprenticeship within the within the management there. Um, but I just find it incredible that Real Madrid, um, even throughout that time when they were going against Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, for example, they've managed to sustain 
that kind of level mm. of competition over such a long time, rebuild, retool, and they they do look now like um, yeah they are not not only going to be sort of in uh, contention to to win a third straight um, Champions League title, but they might what do what um, Real Madrid did in the fifties. Mm. Given given that reju- rejuvenation that we've seen, is that what they're targeting? Do you think they're t- targeting that five in a row? I think it's not something you can necessarily plan for and aim f- aim for. But I think given how well everything's fallen for them, and obviously some of that has c- come from how good their recruitment has been, beating players, um, beating Barcelona to players in, within the Spanish market. Um, yeah, I mean, if they were to, if they were to have got someone like Saul. I mean, he's the only kind of mm. super talent, mm. him and Thiago, who they haven't got, really, of this kind of next generation. Um, yeah, it's frightening. You can see uh, this this g- going on for a long time just because of the sheer gulf in, in class. I mean, the, Real Madrid don't seem to have to... They seem to have so many gears that they can go through that they can coast through the Champions League kind of knockout stages until the semi-final final and then just go up to an, a level where you just think... Phew, but yeah. people are only just now trying to starting to absorb what they are, aren't they? I mean, it's like Marcus was saying. I think perceptions of of Real Madrid in, in the wider public are are changing all the time. That sense that they that they can grow. And you know, when you mentioned Danny Ceballos before, pardon me, when when he joined, I thought that was your like Spanish accent, yeah. <laughs> Andalusian, going yeah. native. But when, when um, he joined this summer. You found a lot of people immediately said, "Well, what's he gone there for? Mm. He's, he's not going to play. Well, he will play. He will play under under Zidane. If you're good enough, you'll get in the team." You've heard, you've heard that's, it here that's first. incredible. One of the sides that, that, that will, one of the sides that will be standing in their way for that third Champions League uh, trophy will be Bayern Munich. Carlo Ancelotti's Bayern Munich, and and off the back of the Neymar chat, and we talk about Galacticos and the big spending. And don't worry, I'm well aware Bayern have spent a few quid over the years. <laughs> um, they've just spent sixty five million pound on a, on a youth academy, FC Bayern Campus. It's uh, quite obviously called and and they've said it's a good answer to Neymar's world record transfer to, to PSG now you get a bit of this from the Bundesliga don't you and understandably so where everyone's spending a lot of money and as I say there is a few quid spent in the Bundesliga they tend to look at the more youth players and, and, and that kind of thing and uh, there is a kind of um, slightly pious tone to their to their chat <laughs> there, look there is and I think you can see why they, they felt like the academy needed a shot in the arm because I've got a few names here I don't know if you guys have heard of any of them <laughs> go on um, David Alaba mm. Mats Hummels, mm. Tony Cruz, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Thomas Muller, and Philip Lahm. Um, they Schweinsteiger's really, so, in MLS, I believe. It, it's yeah. run dry, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they, they need to. Yeah, he, he went off a cliff. Yeah, um, they really need to step it up. I think. Yeah, I mean the, the level. I mean, I find the Bayern Munich conversation interesting because because of that because of the players they already produce. I know. I know you could argue maybe they could could, could bring a few more through more recently. But Bayern Munich, Andy. I mean, they won the league by 15 points last season. I mean, I look without at, actually being that good. Well, I was going to say, and not only mm. that, looking at the, the, the stats um, week by week, they spent a, a grand total of three weeks off the top of the table when they mm. were second. Christ. So three weeks now. I know, right? Yeah. Um, so head should have rolled there. Mm. They didn't. I, I understand they only made the quarterfinal of the Champions League, but what what represents these days um, sort of success for Bayern Munich? Is it simply under Ancelotti? They need they need to. He needs to deliver them a Champions League. Yeah, he does um, because that's what he was specifically brought there for. Guardiola, the kind of misunderstanding of his spell in, in Munich and it will always be I think a misunderstanding a lot of people I think globally look at it as a failure because he arrived inheriting treble winners and he never won the Champions League he never got in the final mm. whereas of, of course that that definitely makes a difference to how his era is seen there but on the other hand I think if you ask people who go to Bayern all the time what the football was like 
it was on a different level. Mm. And it, he was brought there to create a Bayern brand of football for, for want of a better phrase. Well, in fact, that is the exact phrase that Karl-Heinz Rummenigger used, I, I think, when he said why he was brought in. You know, it was part of a, a, a three-part plan, starting with Van Hal all that time ago, going to Jupp Heynckes, and then going on to, to Guardiola. Um, but I think the, the academy thing's interesting, especially when you look at um, the loss of Schweinsteiger. And I know you can, on a sporting level, there's no argument against him being sold by Guardiola, of course. Mm. I think everything that's happened since mm-hmm. has, has, has proved that. But he's missed. Oh, he's a great uh, servant to the club. But but it's more about him having Bayern DNA. It, it actually hurt when he, he left. And it's the same with Philippe Lahm. You know, they wanted him to stay. They they, they couldn't find... Yeah, what was the story behind that? Why, why did he make the decision to not, not to no longer be a part of... Well, he, he got offered... I think he needs a little break for a start because he's, he's not had one. But he got offered the role of um, sporting director, That's of right. course, that have been uh, empty since um, Matteo Sama uh, moved on because of ill health. Um, but he didn't feel that he'd have the right level of responsibility, I think, for this moment as well. But that idea, I think, of of having people who really understand the fabric of the club is is important. I think that links through to producing players for, for, from your academy, not just top-class players, but players who get the club and Bayern are big on that. They're really big on that. I, I think if you look at the institution all the way up, it's important to The that. fans mm. also respond to that. Look at the way Spurs fans are with Harry Kane. And even, perhaps a better example, going back to Schweinsteiger, was when Danny Welbeck was sold by Manchester United. The fans were like, he's one of our own every, kind of thing, Every you know? group of fans will give a lot of more course. patience, a lot more love to a player come through the academy. That's all over. That, as far as I know it, that's all over, not even in Europe. But with, with, with Bayern, these guys run the club. Yeah, that, okay. that, that's, yeah, that's, that's the difference. That's that, right, that yeah. is the difference. And, and Ancelotti, you know, according to him, he's got a good uh, track record of bringing players through the youth academy at Real Madrid, according to um, himself. He brought through Hesse, Morata, Nacho, Casemiro and Danny Carvajal when he returned to the club. He didn't bring through Casemiro, did he? Casemiro was signed from Sao Paulo. Porto. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Sao Paulo wasn't it? The age of about twenty-one. Yeah, he was, he was loaned. Alone. He was alone to Porto. Where oh, okay. He, where he did very well, and they structured the deal so fantastically that even though he was their player, they had to pay seven and a half million euros to buy him back. I mean, it's probably the best seven and a half million <laughs> euros they've ever spent. Yeah, yeah. Is, James, uh, is Ancelotti is, it, is he using a bit of creative license there? Well, Ancelotti names? also said that he blooded a load of youngsters at Milan, and he pointed to fielding the youngest ever Milan side. Um, but the caveat to that was Milan were about to play in a Champions League final, so he just played the kids. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> so it doesn't really stack up yeah. um, when when you put scrutiny into it. But um, I think that's another thing with uh, with Real Madrid. They they send all their best kind of academy players on loan with buyback or, or with buyback clauses. Sort with Morata, Morata Danny yeah. Carvajal, um, um, Vallejo this yeah. this this yeah. summer. Um, but to bring this back to Bayern. Um, you were talking about their pious tone. There is, uh, you, there is rationality to what they're, what oh, they're course, saying it's as well. Because uh, uh, early Hernes, for example, now that he's he's out of uh, out of prison, um, for, yeah. uh, <laughs> there's, your, there's your pious tone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, has been saying, you know, a, a club like Bayern Munich would never pay what uh, PSG have paid uh, Barcelona for for, for Neymar, uh, and I think it was either him or Karl Heinz Rummenigge again was saying that. Um, the Allianz Arena cost what uh, Neymar cost PSG. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of look. This we invest in infrastructure. We invest in people. I will not take uh, stuff from Uli Hernes <laughs> about facts and figures. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, and can, ignorance is not an excuse. Can the Allianz Arena take apart that Toulouse defence? No, is what I'm going to say. Won't have much pace. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about uh, Serie A. And Mario Balotelli might even get a mention. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome back to On the Continent, everybody. We said we'd talk about Milan. We're going to do it right now. James, it's been a busy old time uh, for the city in general, but more specifically, the AC part of that city. <laughs> it is. Um, it's probably the biggest summer that they've had since uh, Berlusconi bought the club in uh, in 86. Um, I don't think we've seen a, a summer quite like this. Transformational summer for a club um, since Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea. They spent 250 million euros um, well, that's the amount they've committed. They're not paying that all mm. now um, because they've loaned some players and they'll pay um, the, the rest of those fees uh, in one or two years' time. Um, but this is a club that has completely been overhauled. Do you feel it's gone under the radar slightly in this country? Because as you say, this is such a huge summer for Milan. I mean, whether it works out or not, we shall, we shall find out. They got off to a good start, though. But it, it's been a blockbuster summer for them, especially in the context. You know, Berlusconi sold the club, of course. But this is a club who have what, won one major trophy in the last 10 years, something like that. You know, they have disappointed. And this is one of the sides that I'm sure people of a similar age to us, you know, 30s, we're on our 30s, um, uh, know as one of the big heavyweights of European football. The definition of a lovely old job as well. Is, uh, is, is, uh, Silvio Berlusconi. They, they brought in Gianluigi Donnarumma's older brother, didn't they? They did. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, surely, surely, I mean, look, you're the expert here, James, but surely that is not on merit. No, of course it's not. Although they did try and sell it as that. I bet they did, yeah. yeah. Even before these contract negotiations were taking place. He's been once away for it here and there. His agent has been making manoeuvres and all that sort of stuff. Well, yeah, I mean... Is that related to it? His agent is Mina Ryla, who, if you want to stay at one club and become a one-club man, he is not the agent you go to. (laughs) Uh, You know, he makes his money from moving the likes of Latan, Mario Balotelli... all over the place, Paul Pogba. He's, he's um, essentially like a, he's like a property developer, but yeah. it's, it's a football player developer. He yeah. is. Just uh, and move him on, sell up. There we go. And, and yeah. one thing's before he's not spending his money on clothes either, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely not spending his money on clothes. Yeah, no, no. Or, or he'll have you believe that you know he's bought Al Capone's former mansion in Miami, right. which is one of the stories I think last summer. Um, but uh, this is look, Milan have a habit of doing this. When they signed Kaká, for example, they signed his brother Digao, even though. 
Gow was not fit to kind of lace up his brother's boots. Mm. Um, Aiden Hazard and Torgan Hazard, is that an example as well? Or well Tor- no, Torgan Hazard actually is on merit of very He's good not a bad player. player. Yeah, and yeah. they kept buyback on him. Let's mm. go back to the Real Madrid thing, okay. didn't they? And what so. about Jordan Lukaku while we're on the subject? <laughs> well, Jordan's won, he's just won a trophy yeah. in the Italian Super yeah. Cup. He well, actually set up, set up one of the goals. Yeah. Up, all right. Gary, and, out Gary and Phil Neville, carry on, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I think if you look at the, the players that they've signed, um, it is a completely new team, aside from the goalkeeper, who in himself was a bit of a signing because mm. it, it did look like Ryler was going to get him out of the club. Um, yeah, they've got a completely new defence, completely new midfield, and a completely new attack. And in that sense, it's actually it's quite exciting because um, it's going to be completely different from last year. And also, um, the way they've gone about assembling this team, uh, it's it's all been quite targeted. You, know, they, you can see what their ideas are. They've got clear They're ideas. They're young, aren't yeah, they? Very young. And uh, I think yeah, the irony really this summer has been that they've spent all this money and yet uh, another young player has come through the academy um, and has stolen the headlines. Patrick uh, Catrone. Patrick Catrone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's only 19 years of age. And uh, Milan's academy has uh, has started producing players. We saw Donnarumma two years ago, Locatelli last year, now Catrone. And this, I think, again, is uh, to go back to the, the Bayern point. Um, this is a kind of recognition uh, from some of Europe's traditional elite that they can't spend like the oligarchs. They can't spend mm. like the sheikhs. They have to produce their own players. And uh, that was at a time when Berlusconi was trying and failing to sell, sell the club. Uh, the only transfers that Milan were bringing in were loans and free transfers and um, pay, paying rubbish players um, far too much in terms of wages. And, uh, and instead, they tried to refocus and prioritize their academy. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, the academy that once produced players like Maldini, Baresi, Costacurta, Albertini is producing, maybe not players of that standard again, but players who are very good and, and, and can give a future to this first team. But that, that's why it's good, isn't it, that Montella has stayed. That there's mm. that sense of continuity. Mm-hmm. That he really only wanted extra players to take the pressure off yeah. Locatelli, for example, so he didn't have to play all the games last season. I think that's what's worked quite nicely with what they've done up front because Andre Silva has arrived who I, th- I think will do very, very well. I was going to ask you uh, about him because you know that, uh, that, that's the type of player going on what James just said there about they, they can't keep up with the, the shakes, the PSGs and, mm. uh, and Real Madrid's, you know. So the, the next type of forward they want is someone like an Andre Silva, surely. I mean, this well, is the guy, could, Cristiano Ronaldo even, you know, praised him very much for could, the national He could side. turn into a great. I mean, there, there's, exactly. there's, there's nothing to endear you to Cristiano like setting up a load of goals for him. <laughs> and that's exactly what Andre Silva has, has done. He's taken the Karim Benzema route, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like is that they didn't stop at Andre Silva, though he is quite a, a high-profile, high-money signing to a, to a point, mm-hmm. um, that they correctly recognise that or at least I think they correctly recognised, maybe they were just lucky, um, that he was flogged by Porto last season. And he played like two first-team games for Porto before last season. He played all the games. Yeah. And people wondered why he had a sort of two-thirds of the season dip. I mean, he ended up playing, what, 50, 55 games, which is, is ridiculous. Mm. And I don't think it aids his development to, to, to go and do that again. But what I like is the fact that they've brought in Kalinic, who is... A very good striker. Blackburn He's legend. A Blackburn yeah, legend, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like Anthony Modest, you know, you can't <laughs> knock it. They've produced some forwards over the years. <laughs> exactly. Seven, really le- seven league goals for Blackburn. Listen, <laughs> sounds you in good stead. Mm. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> Anthony Modest can only dream of yeah, that, know, to be right? fair. Yeah. Can't he? But what, what I like is he's someone who can, he can play with Silver, he can play instead of Silver, 
but there's not a demand to play him instead of Silva. He's, he's not such a big name that you have to play him yeah. instead of Silva. So I think there's like quite a happy medium there. And it's interesting, something that Walter, Walter Zenger said, after they signed Bonucci, which obviously was a game changer and certainly changed people's perception of the, the project, he said, well, if they go and buy a mega striker from here, if they buy an Aubameyang, people will expect them to win the league. Yeah. And that's too much pressure. Whereas with Kalinic, that's not really the case, is it? Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not the case. Um, James, how, how good is um, Cotrone? Because I saw an article you wrote this week about comparing him to a uh, striker back in the late 80s whose name escapes me, who scored an amazing goal for Milan against Juventus. And if you watch that goal, it's about <laughs> 50 passes. The players Milan have is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Every time the ball moves to another player, you go, oh God. Like, how, good, how good can Cotrone be? I know he's been he's been sort of sort of highly rated for a wee while, hasn't he, around the club? Yeah, I mean, Couturone has been on their books since he was seven. Um, and uh, again, this is part of the refocusing that Milan did in their recruitment. They basically got a guy who just goes out looking for the best players under 14 mm. and uh, making sure Milan snapped them all up. Um, but Couturone has pedigree, at least in youth football. Um, yeah, he scored in derbies against Inter, um, but yeah, he also scored in in big games for for his country on the 15 level. Scored a hat trick against Germany, and also there was a there was a tournament in Italy. Barcelona got to the final. Milan got to the final. Milan ended up losing three uh, two, but Cutrone scored both goals. Right. Um, so he's someone who has been um, certainly catching the eye. Um, I remember a few years ago, a lot of fans. Uh, were very curious about this kid called Hashim Mastor. Remember? Oh, I remember. Was, I remember the videos of him, yeah. Could, do you remember do that, Andy? Yeah. yeah. All yeah. these incredible tricks. He was essentially a performing seal. How old is he now? He's the same age as Kutunov. Right, okay, that's fascinating. He was in the same youth team as him. That vi- that video went absolutely all over the internet. Yeah, so there was a lot of hype, and I think now he plays in Holland, I think. I think he was at Pex Voller. It's a new Sonny Pike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember him. The new Curlon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah right. And, uh, and instead, it's Kutunov who's gone on and... Hmm. Uh, managed to establish himself at a time when you think it would be actually really difficult to establish yourself. You know, you've got a club spending 250 million euro in the transfer market. They're linked every week with Belotti, Aubameyang, Diego Costa. They've signed Andre Silva. They've got uh, Nikola Kalinic. You think it's going to be difficult for him to actually um, win himself a place in that team. And instead, he's the big winner of the pre-season at, at Milan because he's actually persuaded the club to not sell him, not send him out on loan to uh, to Crotone. See, it's a bit that's of a tongue twister. <laughs> that's who he scored against the weekend. They wanted him on loan, right? Yeah, they yeah, did. Okay. He was uh, man of the match at the weekend. Um, they, were te- they were down to 10 men for they were, the game. But that, that was because of a foul on him. He won the penalty. Yeah. But he also set up a goal, scored a goal. Um, and uh, Italy have a very promising generation of players coming through. And I think one of the things that, when you look at Milan in the title race, I think one of the reasons people believe that they have a chance is because you look at that defence now. Donnarumma is probably going to replace Gianluigi Buffon um, after the World Cup next summer, maybe even before that, although I think that's probably unlikely given he's captain, such a big leader for that team. But you look at that Milan defence, Romagnoli, Bonucci, Andrea Conti, those players are also the future of the, the national team, more so than, say, Chiellini, Basali. So there's almost a bit of a uh, changing of the guard here uh, into mm-hmm. who has the best defence in Italy. Now, until proven otherwise, Juventus still do. They hold that title. Mm. But Milan's looks very good. But a quick word on their rivals, Inter, because there's some exciting times happening there. We've spoken, obviously, a bit about Milan and their, and their blockbuster summer. Uh, but Inter, they beat Fiorentina in front of over 51,000, which doesn't sound much for the San Siro. Of course, it holds a lot more than that. 
But it is significant because it's the most they've had there for an August home match since 2009-2010, the treble winning year. What's going on at Inter that, 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 that people are suddenly turning heads and thinking, well, this, these guys might be worth a watch? Yeah, well, I don't think it's uh, the transfer window that they've had because yeah. it's been quite low profile uh, for Inter. Um, Inter were bought by uh, a Chinese e-commerce giant last year, Suning. Um, and they, right away put their money where their mouth is and spent a lot of money. 150 million euro last summer, 28 million in January. And everyone was expecting, I think even the manager was expecting them to go big this summer and sign an Alexis Sanchez or Arturo Vidal. They were being linked with players of that caliber. Um, and instead, all they've done really is recognize that they already have a very talented bunch of players within the mm. team. Um, players who are the envy of, of some of Europe's other big clubs like for example, even Perisic. We've had this saga of Perisic, is he or isn't he going to Manchester United all summer? Mauro Icardi, all of these um, you know, super talented players. That team just needed completing. And I think that's what they've done this summer. Um, they've signed players who are not particularly big names. Um, West Brom legend, Borja Valero, for example. <laughs> but Borja Valero has a very high uh, reputation in, in Italy just well, because he's great a, for he's a super smart player um, he knits everything together he makes the players around him play well he's a wonderful player um, uh, to watch a coach on the pitch um, if you like and um, yeah they finally addressed the problems they had at fullback they've got a really good um, centre back Milan Scrinia who did well at uh, Sampdoria last year can play with both feet passes the ball wonderfully well so that team uh, looks good but as we said recruitment campaign not as spectacular as Milan's, but they say the best signing is the manager, Luciano Spalletti, which is just because of mm. how he's a, a, as close as you can come, really, in Italy to guaranteeing your team uh, to be in contention of the title race. Perisic, how important is it that, that, that they keep him? And, and fans of the Premier League who, who listened to the other show we did would have heard um, the link of him to Man United, which has basically been going on all summer, hasn't it? Um, he played off the left at the weekend, looked brilliant, he looked really good. Um, I mean, the whole the whole team looked good, to be, to be, to be fair. But what's the latest on that? Is, is, is there talk of him still moving? I think that's dead. Um, okay. I think uh, Spalletti's persuaded him to stay and the club um, to keep him, um, even though getting something like you know, between 45 and 50 million is, I think, a really good price. How, how good do you actually think he is? Is he, it's hard he, to say. Will he you instantly look at improve Man United, for example? For that side, yes. Um, just because he's a more natural wide player than I think Anthony Marshall is. Um, I think Perisic um, has yeah, he's played a variety of positions in, throughout his career. He's, um, yeah, he played as a striker at Blue, Bruges, I think, and, and, and scored more than 20 goals that year. Um, I think what Perisic is, is very good at is, for Inter, for example... He's the only player that seems compatible with Mario Cardi. Um, yeah, they both feed off each other really well, um, and he could maybe have done. Could yeah, if if Croatia had an Olympic athletics team, he'd probably be in that <laughs> because he's he's got incredible stamina, incredible running ability, which you know allows him to get up and down um, with without losing lucidity but, um, uh, in front uh, of goal, and he can track back. So uh, he's he's, uh, he's he's a very good wide player at elite level. He's a really late developer. I think that. I was, I was it's, about to it's, say that. It's interesting, I think, when you look at um, Paulinho, who's uh, uh, mm. been the punchline, uh, unwarranted in my view. Well, did you see his keepy uppies? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can do more than that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you play. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. That is not I, I, true. You can do the <laughs> same with, as that. At least, <laughs> exactly. at least with Teo Hernandez, you can say he was a defender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was the worst keepy uppies effort of the summer, wasn't it? <laughs> but I, I think if you look at Perisic, 
he, he wasn't great at Dortmund. Of course, he scored against Arsenal in the Champions League, but did absolutely nothing else. He wasn't great at, at Wolfsburg either. And mm. it looked like Inter had really overpaid for him uh, when he arrived from Wolfsburg. And, and then he's become more and more important for Croatia, and he was absolutely terrific for Inter last season. So. And he'll be 29 this season, Perisic, as well. So yeah. He's, he's been Same age as Paulinho. There we go. There we are. Uh, we move on to the chat to uh, to a former Inter player himself, uh, Mario Balotelli. Um, up to his old. Tricks. This was absolutely fantastic. This is for for Nice in the, in the qualifying for the for the Champions League. Uh, Andy, you've, yeah. so should I give people a bit of context well, of this? Well, okay, yeah, yeah. That's now, probably a good I, idea. Can, can I just say, as a, I have sympathy with Lucien Favre, his, Mike, his, let, his coach. Look, give us a bit of context. So the context is for those who haven't seen it. Nice were knocked out um, of the Champions League playoff last night by Napoli four 0 yes. aggregate. They mm. were beaten at home. Two nil after losing the first leg. Two nil. The first, uh, one of the goals that, that Napoli scored. The first one. It was the first goal was just after half time, and it occurred when Nice <laughs> only had ten men on the pitch yeah. because Mario Balotelli was caught. And by the way, it was about two minutes after the kickoff mm. for the second half. Balotelli was caught in a bit of an altercation with the fourth official over the jewellery he was wearing. <laughs> it's, it's almost like if you if you could think of a stereotypical thing for Balotelli to get in trouble for, this would be it. And then you would write it off as being no, that's just too far. Yeah. That's beyond parody. He, he had right. it. Covered, didn't he? Yeah, he, he had it covered, but apparently not sufficiently. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if so, is that bad? Is that the fourth official being a massive jobs worth? Well, I think you can make the argument either way. I mean, it's kind of like when you go to school when you're 14 and, you know, the sticking plaster that's covering your pierced ear starts peeling yeah. off. It was, it was a little bit like well, that. We know it? what side of the fence Lucian Favre's on. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly. I mean, he's rather earnestly, since the start of last season, taken on Balotelli as a project. And what other way can you take him on, I, I suppose? I mean, much like Atem Ben Arfa, he arrived at Nice as someone who was on his... Like after last chance, perhaps, mm. and um, you know he's, he's he's done well there. Although he has driven far, he's quite a calm man to distraction on a a, a number of occasions. And um, yeah, last night on French television after the game, Favre really let loose. He said, "Well, you know, first it was first it was his boot, and then it was his wristband." And he says, "There comes a time when you have to call a cat a cat." Yeah. <laughs> And he, he said, basically, he said he wasn't he wasn't invested enough in the game. He didn't do enough running. That's what you're going to get when you sign yeah. Balotelli. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's but like, do you think these managers? You have got managers. You know, he's played at he played under Mancini at Man City, of course. Played under Rodgers at Liverpool, and and, and these managers and and Favre now, I guess. Mm. The, the thing I see that these managers have got in common is the managers have this ego, and it's to a large extent got to them where they are now. Got them where they are now. They think I'm the manager to be able to, to sort this player out, and to be fair, rather to, than changes to, to change his actual nature. Yeah, quite. As, yeah. as James was saying, that's ridiculous. But, to, but to, I mean, Andy, but to be fair to Balotelli, last season his best league goal return of his career. Yeah, and he was. Excellent in patches. He mm. had a little dip in the, in the middle of the season, probably because he's never worked so hard scored, in his life. Scored as I many mean, goals as Mbappe last season. Yeah, and, and and Favre worked well with him actually. Mm. But I think what worked so well for Balotelli last season is the fact that Nice had a very young athletic side who did all the running for him. Mm. So players like William Cyprien who got injured. Uh, two-thirds of the way through the season, uh, serious knee injury. Uh, Jean-Michael Serry, who of course has been linked with Liverpool, Barcelona, Arsenal throughout Roma. this summer. Uh, Roma, of course, who's, who's very close to going there. Um, and, and Eunice Belanda, who's since moved on to Galatasaray. Now, if you take that forward to the second leg of the Champions League um, playoff against Napoli, one... Napoli are a much better side than Much these. better, yeah. And, absolutely. you know, I think the Champions League would have been a poorer place without them. Yeah. And I think for ever since the draw was made, you couldn't have thought of a worse draw for, for, for Nice. 
secondly, the side's only just coming together after people like Belander have, have, have left in the, in, in the summer. And I think that's made a difference. Um, you've got um, the, the top scorer from last season because it wasn't Balotelli. Alessand Player coming back from a, a big injury. And I was there Good at the player. week. Yeah, very good. <laughs> and he um, he came back, Balotelli, to play his first minutes of the weekend, 25 minutes as substitute of the weekend. Mm. Um, Snyder, who's been preparing, who's, again, a really interesting signing for them mm. um, in the role of Danche, I suppose, a, a player who you feel had kind of drifted from the spotlight, no doubt about his quality, but they want to refocus him there. They proved they can do it with Danche. They, they proved in a different way they could do it with Balotelli and, and, and Ben Arthur, of course, very different cases. Um but, you know, I saw Snyder play at the weekend and, you know, it was hot, even on Saturday night. Mm. And after having no pre-season and just, you know, working with a fitness coach in, in the Netherlands, it must have been tough. But to pitch in Snyder and Balotelli after that and say, all right, go and beat Napoli for us. Yeah. Go, go and pull back. That's a fair point. A, yeah. a, a 2 nil lead from the first it, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's harder it? for him when he's not actually on the pitch, though, isn't it? But I tell you, I mean, yeah. the start of it, page one, yeah. you need to be on the pitch. Yeah, that, that, that is And that's that what's is annoyed true. Father, isn't it? That, that is true. But I wonder if it's, you know, his history and reputation to a certain degree. Obviously, the fact that he's had to put up with him for a year and a bit is, yes. is, is, is probably part it's of it. It's taking its toll. Well, but with, the, with, with Snyder, he said, oh, well, it came too soon for Snyder. But right. Balotelli drives me nuts. Yeah. And it's said, like Homer talking about Bart. When all said and done, Nice won't be in the Champions League and Napoli will. And no, obviously exactly. the draw is uh, the, yeah, this week. Yeah, uh, another teams that join, go into the draw for Friday uh, for, based on last night's results are Celtic, uh, Olympiacos, Maribor uh, and Sevilla. They all join Napoli. Yeah, we are, you see. Right then, now it's time for a bit of correspondence. Yeah, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a, uh, a show without a bit of correspondence from our listeners. I've gone with the hashtag, um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but for the rest of the season I've gone with a hashtag bother Brussels or harass Horncastle. Um, <laughs> not uh, away from the pod, please. We could, we could, no, no, absolutely not. But we could, we could bring in at some point, I'm not ruling out bringing in Seduce Speller later on in the season as well. It's <laughs> the last thing for we anyone want. Else. <laughs> it's the last thing you want. Um, yeah, so I asked uh, our, our, our listeners to, to get in touch with any questions they want answered from you guys. So I guess I'll go with Andy first. Hashtag bother Brussels. Um, this is from Jacob Nixon. He says, who look most likely to be the surprise package in the Bundesliga this season? Do you fancy Stuttgart to pull a Leipzig? I do not fancy Stuttgart. Uh, but I do fancy Schalke, actually. Okay. A very good start to the season for them. Under, and he's very wary of saying it's the Nagelsmann route, but they have gone the Nagelsmann route with Domenico Tedesco. Whose who's name translates as Dominic German. <laughs> there you go. And he changed <laughs> it by he, default. You can't get any better than <laughs> no, that in Schalke's right. situation, can you? <laughs> That's why they hired him. But Is he actually a coach? <laughs> 31 years old. Okay. And, um, you know, he's only got half a season of head coach experience right. in the second division. Not even, but 11 games, I think it was last season. And, you know, they started the season really well. Um, and he's managed to get the best out of existing players who were just going sideways. Yeah, cool. Conor Pilianka has started the season really well. So maybe it could be them to have a go. Huge amount of pressure there, though. It won't let up. There you go, Jacob. That answers your question. Uh, harass Horncastle next. Um, Liam Taylor. Is Mara Riccardi the best striker in Italy? Now, just to add a bit more on that, when when we saw that Maratta was available, and a few Premier League clubs, of course, United went in for, for Lukaku and Chelsea got Maratta. 
were looking for strikers. I was a bit sort of confused as to why Marikadi's name wasn't popping up because he, he played excellent at the weekend. Uh, I mean, a great example of, of, of how good he is, I suppose, would be he's not the tallest of strikers. I mean, he can't be six foot and he's got a great header at the weekend. He's a brilliant header he's, of the ball. He's, he's so busy. He's almost like the full package and he's captain of Inter this season as well, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so was there any particular reason? Well, one, is he the best striker in this league, which is Liam's question. And two, was there any particular reason that the Premier League club, a Premier League club or two wasn't linked with him? I think pound for pound, Higuain is the best striker in Italy. Okay. Uh, it's a very strong division for strikers. Um, you know, mm. you think of the the number who got Fabio Barini. north of twenty goals. Mm. Fabio Barini. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he's we got time for one more after this, and he's in that one. So we wait, keep your powder dry on. No, that. but uh, Bilotti Mertens is not an orthodox striker, but fantastic player. He was fantastic good against goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Icardi is he's like a shark. Yeah, there's a drop of blood in the ocean, he'll find it. Yeah. Um, and he's <laughs> he's one of the great penalty box strikers. I think he's added to his game. Uh, in the last two years, uh, particularly with that relationship with Perisic. I think there was a time last year when he, he was getting more assists than any other striker in Europe's top five leagues. Right. But to go to the other question about why there wasn't, enough, wasn't any interest in him this summer, I think um, there is interest. It's just that he is very committed to Inter. And right. it's actually quite, um, it's quite refreshing to hear uh, someone actually buy into a club so as well as as as, as Icardi has with Inter, particularly considering you know the differences of opinion he's had with their fans. Um, you know, remember last year he released his biography. Uh, there was a passage in it in which um, he essentially um, was asking the ultras for a fight, um, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which 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 didn't go down well, but. He loves that club. He loves that city. Um, his wife and his kids are, are, are very much settled there. And he wants to uh, make into the force they were again. Right. And, um, so yeah. there's just been no interest on his part to, to move across, I no. suppose. All right, final one. We've got time for just one more quick one, I think. Um, Harass Horncastle, uh, just how far can Milan expect to go this season with two-thirds of Liverpool's old Europa League front three? <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess, he means, I guess he means Suso and Barini. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they just need Brendan. Uh, Suso's a hugely improved player, though, by the way linked with Spurs over, over the summer yeah massively um, yeah he's become indispensable I think Wolfsburg actually wanted to sign him as well in the summer and they said absolutely not he's one of our key players which yeah, will come as a, as a surprise but yeah he's 23 um, and perhaps hadn't started you know fulfilling his potential um, by the time he left uh, by the time he left Liverpool but I think Milan can genuinely contend for the title this year and I think that's one of the really interesting things there is a, uh, a feeling in Italy that this year, it will be a kind of five-way fight. It could be a five-way fight for the title. I know the bookies think Juventus are uh, uh, far and away the, uh, the, the favourites. But um, you look at Napoli, how settled they are. You look at the money that um, Milan have put into that team. You look at um, the manager that Inter have appointed. And you know, Roma, you know, over the last decade, always go close. So, yeah, I think they'll be fighting for the title. And we end the show where we started because Ligue 1 pretty much exactly like that, isn't it? Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Germany, yeah. Well, next week we'll have the, um, the Champions League draw to talk about, of course, which takes place this Friday and, and lots of other will. things besides. But thanks, chaps. That's the end of the show, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to On the Continent. Luke, where can people find us? Yeah, search for On the Continent at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, check out thefootballramble.com forward slash news. And if you want to get in touch with us, um, just use it on Twitter at OTCpod or email us at Europe at thefootballramble.com. Every Wednesday. So we shall be back next week. We'll see you then.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.